This episode features my interview with Barbara Du. Barbara is a French filmmaker and photographer. She's a Wing Chun martial artist who took martial arts to become a better photographer. Barbara's gone on an incredible life journey. If you're a regular listener of the show, you've come to expect a certain quality of storytelling, certain depth and dimension. You've come here for inspiration, and the table has been set for you, my friends, to enjoy close to an hour and a half of a very inspirational tale of a young woman who fought her femininity early on and became tough, and later on realized the value of gentleness. She's also somebody who recently had a bout with throat cancer, which she believes was caused by a lifelong struggle to speak her voice. When I asked Barbara to be on this podcast after she had been a listener for a few weeks, I had no idea that by her saying yes to this, she was choosing to find her voice on this podcast. This is a very holy moment. I've known Barbara for a couple weeks, and I got to see piece that she shot on a very humble farming family in Peru that was incredibly moving. Barbara has signed on to start documenting Love as the Author in film so that the visual component of what's going on with this podcast and this growing spiritual community can be captured well. I'm very excited to share this story with you, so please enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Barbara Du. When we were speaking yesterday, I was addressing this five-minute piece that I saw that you shot on this family in Peru. Which is that piece available on YouTube? Uh, yeah, it's on YouTube. It is. So I'll have a link to it. I called you out of nowhere, and then I started asking you about this piece that felt like a very intimate portrait that you'd done of this family. It is visually, sincerely telling the story. And I had questions, embellishments, and I asked you, I was like, what can you tell me about it? What did you say? I said that I've said it all with what I filmed. Right. Um, all I wanted you to know about this family is what I've shot. So it was hard to tell you more. You, you're, you're the kind of director that's not going to do press junkets. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I can't even imagine. You're a documentary filmmaker that I'm interested in working with. And... And it was on the strength of this piece and just having some limited exposure to you that all of that spoke to me. And it was in the notion also that your work had said everything that you wanted to be said. I thought about the annoyance of, say, like Tom York or something from Radiohead being asked, what can you tell me about this song? And I could hear him saying something very similar. And I wonder... How do you find that integrity in life to have that kind of answer and just say that and not try and dress some of your work up with more? There is no other way for me to to do because it's how I am. Language is not my favorite way of expressing myself. Mm. It's why I'm mainly using images and video and in most of my video there is no dialogue. So within that context, what does someone do with that? Feel, hopefully. Because when I travel, I don't always travel to countries where I speak the language. But to me, it's to my advantage because 
it's something I prefer because everything to me is much simpler. How you communicate with people, it's you you connect with people who get you, yeah, and who are patient, who are interested, curious. Oh, you, it's almost a, uh, a sincerity selection. spotter. Yeah, like you see who's really just sincerely motivated by humanity and connecting. And you find that out when you go in with such a barrier. Yeah. So it's mainly ice connection. Yeah. That's incredible. And you prefer it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best. Someone like that is, I'm, I'm especially curious about what are your origins? You know, what's it like early on for you? How do you discover even art and that there's an artist in you? Early in school, I realized that my best subject was drawing, uh, music, and sport. Mm. So it's what I focused on. Mm-hmm. And what I kind of sport? Every kind. Yeah. But I was good at beating guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> nice! Okay, great. So I focused on those three subjects, and I had a, a teacher who really, I guess, saw something in me with like a drawing, and I started, I started that way. Yeah. How was your childhood? Well, it's a big topic. Is it a big topic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you have two parents? Yeah, and two older brothers. Uh-huh. So How older? 11 years difference and six years different. Wow, I'm the I'm the small one. Oh, I'm glad I asked. That's a big difference. Those yeah. are worlds apart. Yeah, it's it's why I I grew up knowing how to defend myself and they prepared me for the world. Gotcha. Is that something you sussed out later in life looking back on it or did it feel that way even when you were in it? Uh, yeah, I think it, it felt that way. Yeah. You felt camaraderie in the toughness aspect of being yeah. raised that way? Yeah. Yeah. And I was connecting more with guys than with girls. What about that barrier? What can you say about the barrier between you and the other girls? Because I grew up in a way where... You had to be a guy if you wanted to do things, like if you wanted to travel or if you wanted to. It seems to be more interesting. Where is this in France? You grown? Uh, Fontainebleau. Okay. Uh, the countryside next to Paris. Gotcha. And in that countryside, that was the the thing is that you needed to be a boy in order to get things done. Or unfortunately, I wish it was in this countryside only, but it's throughout society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this countryside we should X out, that's the place, right? That's the only place it happens. <laughs> I wish. Okay, so once again, training for the world in some way. Yeah, they were like bullying me in a kind way, but enough <laughs> enough for me to feel that I had to be tough. Yeah. What about softness? Where's that present itself in your life early on? Is there gentleness? Uh the food. The food is gentle. Yeah. Huh. What's life like in the countryside there? Great. I had neighbors I was playing outside with. I spent a lot of time outside um, in the forest. and. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, building like little houses, wood houses. How is nature explained to you by your parents and a connection to it? Because it plays a, a theme, at least adventure and... and uh, embracing aspects of nature seem to play such a, a role in, in your story as I'm learning about it. Yeah, my dad was taking me for walks. We were going to the park or the forest or pick up mushrooms. Oh, um, nice. 
Ja. Snails uh-huh. in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> the ideology of your household, your parents, is it an ideology that you still share to this day? I think each time that I travel, I get adopted by a family because I want to get back into that place as a kid. Wow. It's like the idealization of everything and the good time I seem to have there. So, Whoa, oh my God, that was such an amazing way to get to know you. That was very revealing. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Was that always a conscious focus or did you find out the pattern later on? I found that after because my subject were always the same, like family. What is it about family and youth that is so inspiring? It's not necessarily youth, is uh, the connection. Okay. Like, because when I travel abroad, I usually go to remote places, so I'm kind of special. So it's kind of feel special for a moment and get mm. back into that special connection that you can have with family members. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to nature for a minute. Do you feel that you have a particular relationship with nature that can be spoke of? Yeah, nature, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of my temple. It's my anchor where I feel the safest. Where you feel safe? You feel safer in nature than in the city in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wow. What would you say the most defining moments of your youth leading up to being an adult were? The things that kind of spun you out into the world, you know, moments that some maybe of beauty or some of pain that defined you early on? It's when I actually moved out from this place because my parents moved to the south of France. It felt like I'd lost everything. I realized that I could count only on myself. Wow. And because I had lost all my friends, all my like marks, and um, my parents, when I was living next to Paris, used to work at home and then they were opening a restaurant and they they were not home and they had no time Mm. so i realized that i was by myself where are you in emotional intelligence at this age um is that 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 moment where you realize that you're on your own yeah i understood that after at that moment i was angry at my parents you were. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I make them live hell. <laughs> yeah. Had you developed a relationship with the camera yet? No, just uh, a lot of outdoor activities. I was doing a lot of sport at that time. Did you think that that was going to be your career? I wish I would have picked that road, actually. Really? But because I had a hard time in school, uh, the direction to take sport was... Maybe too, I felt it was too risky for me. Risky in what way? Like injury? No, more like I may not be able to catch up because you focus on sport a lot. You don't have much time to study. Mm. I was scared to not to have a good grade. Gotcha. Did you grow up with any spiritual background at all? No, nothing. No idea of God or no God or... No. No. No, but my dad keep calling me fairy. Oh, because of your affinity for the forest? Uh, maybe. I didn't think of that, but uh, you always call me like that. So it's kind of my link to 
whatever. <laughs> uh huh. Beyond. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fairy. Oh, and that's. Yeah, and you pulled the firefly card today. Oh yeah, I did. Which is like a little fairy in the forest. Mm-hmm. Just beforehand, we pulled a card each from Kim Cran's deck, Animal Spirit, and Barbara pulled the firefly, which basically, well, how would you? What it, would you take away from that? It's very tiny. <laughs> it's exactly how I felt. Uh huh. But it, bright. Yeah, it's it's it was sort of saying that this is a moment in time basically where there's a moment of inspiration happening and it's almost like the like lightning in a bottle or something you got to capture it and and then my card was the dragon and it was basically saying don't worry firefly just jump on the dragon's back and uh just let the dragon drive or something like that which was a really sweet intro into this so the firefly Oh, wow. It's a big world, isn't it, for the firefly? Oh, wow. You're alone, like just this little... Yeah, but because you kind of... I learned to be alone, so I'm scared of nothing. Because right. I can I can go anywhere and feel home now. Yeah. Which is... I managed to turn this, what seems to be a time of adversity, into my advantage after. Oh, yeah. Because okay. during it, I was not good. <laughs> yeah, what is not good? I was angry. I could not wait was to get out of where I was living. and. What did you do with the anger? I ate. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> you ate. Yeah, I ate. You ate, with ang- you ate your feelings. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, on the fairy, the fairy is eating, eating with her anger. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the little fairy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that doesn't sound nice. So you're alone in the world and you're using food as a drug? Yeah, I was an emotional eater. Yeah. You could say that maybe. You're an emotional eater. Oh, yeah. that's nice. That sounds less heavy handed. It was to suppress the anger. It's to suppress it. Yeah. And you would find that worked. Yeah. Were you angry much prior to your parents selling the home and moving away? No. No? Not like a normal kid. Yeah. And you don't get what you want or something like that, but nothing. No, the the move was definitely something that got me kind of against them. So how does your drawing evolve into working with the camera? When I started to direct myself towards art around 14. I quickly discovered that around 16 that I wanted to be an art director in advertising, then a photographer, and then a filmmaker. You you had it all mapped out? Yeah. Yeah. At 16. It just came like I knew I wanted to do those things in that order. That's amazing. And so you went after it? All my study, I focused on uh, getting to art school, yeah. to get me to that job as a art director in advertising. And mm-hmm. I, when I finished my study, um, I moved to London because to me advertising was the best place because I love British humor and oh, they had the cool. best agency as I wanted to get into. Huh. Uh, but all the work with advertising, it was inspired by the work of Tuscany, uh-huh. uh, who did the, all the campaign for Benetton that oh, were right. very, very provocative. Yes. And I realized how powerful advertising or this media is to 
target people. Yeah. And I wanted to use this media to convey like um, important messages. Yeah. Not to sell any specific product or anything like that. So my my goal towards that direction was already very with integrity and with a wish of making a better word or something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. And those Benetton ads did leave me even back then with that feeling that there was something more going on to these ads. And I mean, all of the diversity that was represented there for one, but just somehow it felt almost like National Geographic, you know? And that's so powerful that you're able to extract that and see that that's possible in the world to have a your idealism or or something that's good for the planet be conveyed through the medium of advertising. Mm-hmm. John Lennon was big on that too. He figured out branding. Yeah. Just like brand the piece thing as much as you can. Just have it be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Seems like it taps into that same spirit. That's cool. So wh- how does it go from there? Uh, so I got my job in advertising in the uh, agency who was specialized in charities and worked for Amnesty International, Cancer Research, all the subject I was like into. Wow, that's cool. And I was done with that dream. Yeah? Yeah, dream nice. done, next. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn about advertising that you didn't know before? Well, I kind of knew already that it will not be a world I will want to stay that long. Gotcha. Because even if it's with charities, there is politics into the company. And even though I had worked a short time in agency world, Mm -hmm. uh, I was done. I wanted to to be free and have my my own way of doing things. Yeah. Yeah. So I quit my job and started to do photography. Mm. And how does one just start to do photography? What? Uh, so I got very scared yeah, uh, because I had a very comfortable situation. Uh-huh. I wanted to take three months off and go to New York as an inspiration. And I asked my company if I could do that. Yeah. And they refused. Which company? The advertising company? Advertising company. So while you were still with them? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was still with them. And they refused to give me three months off. Uh-huh. So I guess started to get anxious and scared to do my grocery shopping and say what's going on i'm not usually scared of anything and now i can't get into a supermarket wow so uh, my boyfriend at that time uh, told me oh you should do what scares you the most Mm. so the next weekend i booked a bungee jumping And this was my therapy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> oh, my God, it worked. Oh, that's like your ayahuasca or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh I self-medicated. No kidding. Yeah. Was that the most terrifying thing, actually, for you to, to plumb yeah, it? it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They had to push me. Wow. Uh, no, people who do that are crazy. You, it's like, oh, fuck it's like, that. It's like yeah. killing yourself. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's uh, like killing. Surviving something like that. Mm. Did it feel that way, actually, like you survived a death? I always explain my job in, in three seconds. Uh-huh. The first one, you think you're going to die, and it's horrible. The second second, uh, you can't wait to go back up and do it again. Yeah. And the third second, you're exhausted and want to sleep or that's cool so this is my 
jump in three seconds. Amazing three second review. Yeah. I've never heard a three second review. That's like serious awareness around the layers of a second. That's interesting. So he convinces you that you should do something crazy like this and then you book the bungee jumping or Yeah. Yeah. It was just a suggestion. Yeah. Then I say, Oh yeah, this sounds great. Yeah. Okay, and so what happens after that? So I quit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I go to New York three months because New York was a place where I wanted to live. Yeah. And why? Um, because since I'm kid, I want to move to the states and live in America. Yeah. Brainwashed by the sitcom when, uh, <laughs> that one? I was watching in front of the TV, eating. <laughs> Which one was that? Uh, Beverly Hills, Melrose Place. Oh uh, fuck yeah! You know, so brainwashed. Yeah. By uh, Luke Perry, <laughs> Shannon Doherty. At that time, I wanted to work as a photojournalist. Mm. Uh, I I was kind of discovering where I wanted to go, either photojournalism, fashion, or set photographer. Mm-hmm. So I divided my three months into kind of three goals. And the first month, I spent it with photojournalist. The second month, with fashion photographer. And the third month with a set photographer. Is this with any, just for the listener, are all of these steps that you've been taking, are you a connected person or is this just you showing up and trying something, following a dream and just having the audacity to, to ask or do it? Audacity, yeah. yeah. I show up and I find people. Yeah. And it was magic, all the people I got connected to. Yeah, I believe you. I mean, my life's been similar just all seems to kind of work out as long as you keep a dream alive and, and move, keep yeah. your feet moving. Yeah, since it was my dream, I was just like shining. So the boyfriend was not very happy Oh, <laughs> because I left him for three months. Oh, okay. <laughs> he supported the bungee jumping, but a bit less. <laughs> but this is a little too far. Bit- New York? <laughs> oh, shit. So he's not happy that you're in New York, but you're breaking this up into these three sections and it's all magical. Yeah, from beginning to end, it's just magical, yeah. Are you, and you're needing to leave after three months? Yeah, because of visa. So I went back home to London and got depressed. Oh, yeah? (laughs) But the weather, it was what was depressing for me. Yeah. Because I had left a full-time job Mm -hmm. and started to do freelancing for the first time in my life, Mm. Uh, I had no like structure, so then uh, my um, boyfriend at that time started to do martial arts, mm-hmm. and in a month he got like transformed into a better man. Oh wow! And I said, "Oh, there is something there." So I decided to start martial art. What kind? Wing Chun. It's a Chinese martial art. It's been invented by nuns. Oh, what? And uh. Yeah, uh, Bruce Lee and Ip Man are the main. It's their lineage. They're the lineage holders of this. Or, or yeah, the... in America, Bruce Lee is obviously the main. Ip Man was his master. Oh, gotcha. So he brought uh, 
that martial art into America. I mean, were you a martial art appreciator, a kung fu film lover, a Kill Bill? Uh, Bruce Lee. I watched all the Bruce Lee when I was kid with uh, when I was kid with my brothers. Oh, so you had a relationship with Bruce Lee? Yeah, basically when, as like a, oh, so now yeah. you're. I wanted to fight like him. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you were pretending when you were young. Is it possible that you were pretending you were Bruce Lee in fights? <laughs> Trying to defend myself against my brother. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Who's pretending to be Bruce Lee? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Wow. So you joined that lineage, and what happened to you? So photography goes on the side, and martial arts uh, start to take over. Why are you needing this at this point in your life now, looking back on it? For discipline and focus. Uh-huh. So I started to do martial art to be a better photographer. Uh huh. Whoa. Uh, this, yeah, usually people go to photography school. I decided to go to martial art. You took martial arts to be a better photographer. Yes. That's incredible. That's incredible. I don't think I've ever heard of that. There's so many things in my life that mimic that exact science. But I don't think I've ever heard the martial art to get better at the art. Mm-hmm. Huh. And does it help? Oh, yeah, it did. It's like being a martial artist while you are shooting. It's like you're very much present and uh, aware of your surrounding and very focused. Yeah. And in Wing Chun, there is a lot of principle that are attached to it um, that help build a mindset which help you to feel a kind of confidence and serenity Yeah, that uh, I used as a photographer. God, I believe you. At this point, it sounded like you were doing freelance, and is that starting to take off? The clients that I was starting to get, mm-hmm. uh, they were asking me to... I was mainly shooting event photography, but I had to train. Oh. So I, I refused work to go training <laughs> because I worked and I did train intensively and the first year it was only three hours a week uh-huh. but the next year it was 19 hours a week and the third year we had like seminar and it was like 20 25 hours a week it's a huge part of your life yeah it was only that wow only martial art that's incredible so wow it's amazing it's amazing that um something that was so sounds like so your thing i i wouldn't have known about i i mean necessarily definitely not from having met you it's not like you're walking around in a gi mm-hmm, no <laughs> <laughs> you know and that it's been so influential in your art are you still doing martial arts no okay cool we'll get to that hold yeah. on okay yeah. cool so staying with this yeah <laughs> yeah that's interesting something that could be such your world is not anymore so how well? What's what's the progression then? How does this? You're turning down jobs. Yes. And this has become the focus. And third year in, you're doing it like it's a job almost. Yes. Is it a job or are you? No, it's not a job. Um, I still have a lot of fun doing it, but my body starts to worn out. Oh. Um, in what ways? I felt stiff everywhere. We were like training, like. We were wearing pads and fighting. Sparring, kind of? Sparring, and all the training, it was like full contact. Oh, yeah. And my 
You're fighting all day, basically. Yeah. And oh, my, wow. And my master was taking me to his, like, uh, seminar he had with soldiers and army trainings. And <laughs> I was, like, his demonstrator person. <laughs> and he had, like, one, two, three. I had, like, three big pads. And he was, like beating me up and wow. it was just like too much at some point. I want to ask you about that actually. So I wonder like what's the attitude around gender in martial arts? Is everyone unified in just their ability and gender isn't seen or is there in my martial arts school yeah. a woman or men we were we were beating up the same <laughs> <laughs> I was taking pictures of my master, of the classes. I started to do video also. So I managed to kind of combine both while I was uh, doing martial arts. My body started to worn out and I'm starting to not have fun fighting anymore. Yeah. And I'm missing photography. Like I said, this is not my path. Mm. And we were actually planning to open a school with my boyfriend, a martial a arts school. school. Oh. Yeah, because we we had started to do like teacher training and I had started to teach martial arts. Uh, but then I feel like I want to go back to photojournalism. It's at that time that I start to be depressed because came on and off. So when you left martial arts to go back to photography and it was having you back, it was the joy of it having you back. But at the same time, your depression came. It's because- like it's it's like the depression of coming back from holiday. Oh, <laughs> because I want to go to I want to still want to go to live in the states. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, okay. And I and I feel the call to do that, and but. Uh, my boyfriend doesn't want to go live in the States. And yeah. and then things started to fall apart between us. Is he still actively at that stage going after the martial arts more so than you are? You've oh, yeah, to it's his life. It's his life. It's still today, yeah. Oh, so he's yeah, found his He found path. his calling, yeah. I gotcha. Before we move on from the martial arts, as it's seeming to fade from this story, mm-hmm. what's the sort of spiritual awakening that happened for you with martial arts? Like, what can you say it gave you in those moments that you hadn't had or flushed out something that you did? The connection with my boyfriend that I had at that time, it's because he reconnected us. Wow. And, uh, so besides the toughness that came from the martial arts thing and it kind of being a trace of your past from brothers and the, the, you know, it, feels like it's a it's attached to that right or it's connected to that yeah yeah definitely. so so besides that bit of nostalgia there's this aspect where it's bringing you closer with your boyfriend when i joined i said yeah this is going to put us back together yeah seems like he used martial arts though to get more into martial arts and you were utilizing what martial arts had to help with your other areas of life yeah it was a tool it was a tool more than a path like meditation yeah okay yeah. Oh, it's the same kind of thing as meditation. Yeah. And it, it was a dream. As you step into all these uh, opportunities and adventures, it seems like you had written it from the past or, or there's little bits of your handwriting in the these things. Like, well, there's the trace of the Bruce Lee movies mm-hmm. and the roughness. And then it seems to be really succinctly your dream 
in some weird way specifically being manifested. That did manifest it all the all of it. It sounds like. I mean, the advertising and you wanted to do this, and so you went, and you didn't know anybody in it, and you... No, I didn't know anybody. And you worked your way exactly through the way that you wanted it to go, even though you end up depressed, and it's coming in between you and your relationship at a certain point, but still, all of this seems like it's been by your design, that you've just gone out and... Oh, yeah, my life, I feel I designed it, and not let life designed. Yeah. I mean... Like a chi- in your child, I think I grew up very free, like walking by myself to school and going to my neighbors. That I was very free mm. in my childhood, mm-hmm. and I definitely wanted to keep that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember my dad said, telling me that I had to do what makes me happy. How important is that in life? Yeah, to have your father say that. Yeah, and and I I saw my parents create their dreams too. You did. Yeah, you so. knew it could be done. Yeah, I know it's it's possible. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Yeah, I had I had no doubt, and I still have no doubt about <sighs> it. It doesn't mean that you've got moments. <laughs> it, it's not smooth, <laughs> right? None of it's smooth. But it's definitely worth it. But all those years in school, and uh, college, and university to reach to my first goal, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I did it because as soon as I reach my dream. I re- I thought that I thought that I will be happy for the rest of my life. Yes, and it's not. Wow, it's not, it lasts like I don't. Even, I would not even say like few hours. Yeah, exactly. And the dreams and the goal is not the. It's going to sound cliche, but it's not the goal. It's the journey to it. Yes, because I struggle so much with my school and studying, and I work so hard to get to that goal. And I wish I would have taken it less seriously or mm. or lighter mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I've done that after because mm. I've learned the lesson but I'm still going for my dreams yeah oh that's perfect <laughs> what happens with your relationship next uh, so um, uh, he left me he left you yes he left me so I applied the at the lottery for the green card mm-hmm. to come to live in the States I never applied before because I was scared to have to choose between him and the state. Oh, wow. So once he bowed out... I applied. Well, gosh, I guess if there's any consolation at all after a situation like that, it's like, well, maybe this the other thing that I really wanted that I was conflicted about could happen now. Mm. It's nice to have that in place. Mm. But that's if you get it. Yeah, it's like 0.003 chance to get it. Is that right? And you got it? Yeah. Wow. Do I mean? Do you recall any sort of magic around getting it? I just mean, what's? I think the magic happened earlier. What do you mean? It, um, I met someone in London who won it. Oh, and it was the first time that I could see that it's possible. Uh huh. And because I met him, I saw it's possible. Let's yes. let's apply. It's it's a morning where I was like depressed, crying in the morning and yeah. not knowing why. Okay, I have nothing to lose. Let's apply. Did yeah. you fight the breakup? No, no, I don't fight those. Wow. We had tried to make it work a long time, yeah. a few times before. So, so we're still in touch. He has his martial arts school. He has two kids, and I Amazing. met. I met his girlfriend. I'm still in touch with my ex-mother-in-law. And, oh, wow. And, 
Yeah. That is great. What a way to leave things. Oh, yeah. I, I'm very good at leaving uh, <laughs> leaving relationships. <laughs> Bowing out gracefully. <laughs> yeah. I'm very good at that. At some cost to yourself, though. Yeah. Heartbreaking, of course. Yeah. But uh, for the best, because uh, the life I knew he we would have created together yeah. is, was not the life I wanted. Do you feel that your relationship with art is a romantic relationship? Yeah, but in a very like um, magical way. It, it's through all the pain and happy moments that you can link to things and people and then the magic happens. Right. So it's all the experience of life. more you experience in life, the more you can create, I think. And you seem to be demonstrating that the more that you're exposed to that you can see is possible in the world with some drive you can take knowing that that's possible and go out and make a great life for yourself yeah but it really helps to have it demonstrated or shown to you that that's something that you can do yeah studying had been very hard for me Mm -hmm. but because i knew where i wanted to go Mm -hmm. i had to I had to play the game. Right. But right. as soon as I'm, I can get out of the game, I get out. Yes. <laughs> so it was like advertising, and then you saw through the advertising world and saw its limitations, and it's like, on to the next thing. And yeah. then, but you conquer these worlds in some way of just at least touching into it and, and going behind the curtain of it. You yeah. know, you keep doing that and going, oh, here's another yeah. summit of a mountain, sort yeah. of, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's got to be great for the confidence moving yeah. through this world. Yeah, definitely. Especially traveling. I feel home everywhere. So yeah. It's a good way. Yeah. That's the thing about being homeless is that the home is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we break up. I apply to the green card, and this is a two-year process, so I have to wait. Yeah. And winter is coming, and uh, I'm still in London. Uh-huh. No, fuck all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I say, okay, I either like spend all my money in therapy <laughs> or go to India for three months. Whoa. Uh, I picked India. Those were real options? It was yeah, either dive in it, yeah, and get some therapy around this? Yeah. Because I had done the bungee jumping. (laughs) (laughs) India seems like a suitable (laughs) next move after you bungee jumped. Had you had interest long term in in yoga? No, I had just started. I had just taken a few classes. And I wanted to go to to India because, yeah, I had started yoga. And obviously, yoga is, uh, India is the place of yoga. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wanted the sun. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and get that. So I started straight as a to do a teacher training. Uh-huh. Where was I, this? In Kerala. Okay. Uh, I did a teacher training, and um, had you been to India? No, it was my first time. Okay, so you're going there for the first time, and you're doing this training, this prolonged training. Yeah, for a month. Uh huh. And how did you find the culture? I love the colors of all the sari they're wearing. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh-huh. I felt reborn there. Wow. Have the, you been my, relatively safe in all these travels? I feel safe everywhere. Yeah. Um, Do you think that translates in, in sort of a 
a frequency when you travel that like if you carry that with you then that's yeah a, I, its own form of protection yeah i think i'm the way i walk i'm pretty confident and mm-hmm. yeah you don't mess up yeah. with me <laughs> right right but i'm also i'm if there is two roads and one is darker than another one <laughs> i'm taking the brighter road if i cross path with someone i'd I have to not feel fear. Yeah. I have to feel confident and wow, that's and, amazing. And and not project anything. I don't know if this person is dangerous or not. And, but yeah, I've been in a situation where I once put myself in a scary situation, but I was I was okay. Yeah, <laughs> it ended well. Where was this country? It was in China. Oh, uh, after. Uh, Kicking a tree for an hour and not being able to walk. The next day, I had to take a train uh, for like I don't know twenty hours train. And again, I wasn't. I don't speak Chinese, and I end up in the wrong uh, uh, train station. Yeah. And I have like only a few minutes to cross the city and take the other um, the other station, the other train from the other station. And I had a taxi. Uh, taxi were all like booked up yeah. and you know you've got the unofficial taxi he could have brought me anywhere uh, luckily he was a good person wow <laughs> but I said um, I don't know what I'm doing right now sure like there's that. a lot to be said for your confidence and you being safe this whole time and that being one of the only moments of danger that you didn't bring about yourself like yeah. bungee jumping yeah <laughs> you know so yeah mm-hmm. India for three months uh, absolutely loved it I was outside all the time with the sun, and I felt like back in my childhood. So it cured the depression. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. It's just gone. Yeah, over there, I'm not crying any morning. Like I'm just yoga, the the diet we had, also like the meditation. Everything was. Is this is the first time you actually like maybe done like sitting meditation? Yes, the actually I remember now the hardest part with those. Uh, with this month of yoga was sitting throughout the whole like classes sitting on the floor and not moving yeah (laughs) this was the hardest part it really does feel like the yoga training was to cure your depression and also offer a substitute for uh, what martial arts was doing as far as discipline but in a softer way in a softer way so it's evolving it can we say that Uh, it's that's an evolving if it's getting softer yeah i mean in in, yeah with with my journey it was definitely yeah a good evolution oh great Uh, so it was like learning to be kinder with myself yeah life doesn't have to be that hard you don't have to beat up everything (laughs) (laughs) and get and get beat up (laughs) (laughs) right life can be softer and gentler yes lovely it seems like it's all synthesizing yeah what's the next move from india do you go back to london at all uh yeah i fly over london it's all gray (laughs) and cold and humid and i say i'm done with london because i had no one i was in london for my boyfriend i was right. i had no more reason to to stay there so i say okay i'm done with london i don't know what's next but yeah. i'm not staying in london anymore gotcha so i moved back to my parents place oh until the time to figure things out and then because i had apply uh, uh, the green card mm-hmm. and i still had to wait I don't want to start anything in France or elsewhere. Yeah. But I still want to travel. Uh, so I said, oh, the best thing is to have a van. 
Yeah. Because I, I was starting to get tired to move my belongings from one place to another because in London I hadn't moved a lot mm -hmm. when I broke up uh, because I had traveled. Oh, I forgot one part. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot the best part after the breakup. Really? What? I had the, the, the dream job as a photographer. I traveled for months and did three continents. No. Traveling with a photographer. I had uh, hoped to, had hoped, I had met when I was working in the advertising. Yeah. I looked at his portfolio and I wanted to meet him and work with him in advertising. No way. And... When I saw his portfolio when I was working in advertising, yeah. I was just like in absolute admiration of his work. Say, this is exactly what I want to do. Wow. And it's at the time where I wanted to quit advertising. Yeah. So I I had kept in touch with him. Oh. And I show him my work and he said, well... Um, I have an advertising campaign to shoot. Do you want to come along for a month and travel? Go to, we went to Africa, America. I could not go to India, but they went to India and Japan in, wow. a, in, in a month and, and Europe too. Oh, nice. So this was the perfect, like after breakup relief. It was totally obviously great paid. And yeah. I was just like, Oh, it was amazing. With somebody whose artistry you really respected and wanted yeah. to work with. Yeah. Who now you're traveling yeah. to continents in a short amount of time with. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So 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 you do that and And so yeah, and then and then uh so this was during the summer and then winter was about to come and I said, Oh no way I'm going to spend a winter in London and yeah. I went to India. You went to India then. So you're out of India now and you're back in the countryside with your family and you want to travel in a van. You figure that, that that's the next thing to do. Keep yeah. yourself moving. Yeah. And take pictures and video. Did you have to do any conversion to the van, the van yourself? Uh, no, I bought it already all converted and it was perfect. Nice. The, I, I still miss that van. Aww. It was amazing yeah the, the best van you can have oh sweet <laughs> and somebody else has it now yeah a sculptor i'm still in touch with them oh, cool. <laughs> so if you sell the van <laughs> call me <laughs> that's cool so where do you go where do you head out in this van um so i go to andalusia the oh. south of spain to do a workshop as a war photographer oh, a war wow a workshop to become a war photographer. Yes. Knowing that I don't want to be a war photographer, I want to be a wedding photographer. What? <laughs> <laughs> what but I thought that this will be the perfect training. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's such a good joke, but it's not a joke. You it's literally my life. did that? Yes. I have to know, are you joking with me that you no. did it because you thought that that would be the avenue to capture love best? Not love, but oh. it's, be <laughs> <laughs> it's to be prepared. 
Uh, oh, right. Okay, okay. Because shooting a wedding is very intense. Oh, my gosh. My brother's doing that now. He's, I yeah. do it now, too. Yeah. Okay, so you do it to be able to shoot weddings and to get inspiration. Uh, and what's what's next after Spain? After Spain, I feel that I'm taking video of this and that, and it's great, but I feel I need a, a structure and a frame I have this feeling that, okay, I travel the world. I have all this amazing experience with people. Yeah. Uh, I think it's easier to be in that state of mind when you travel to exotic country. But how about be able to do that home? Mm-hmm. So I decided to go to France and meet my people. Mm. Because I had left France a long time. And I wanted to see how I'm linked to my people. Wow. Just in general, your people, the French. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lovely. And So, so you were going to travel around France and capture stories or meet people and see what you could shoot kind of thing? Yeah. So I decided to focus only in, uh, in France and mm-hmm. do it for 80 days mm. and draw a geographic heart as a sign of... Uh, reconciliation in some ways. Wow. And interview people that I meet on the way. Yeah. So, yeah, this is... That's incredible. Whoever is in the... Whoever found their way in the path of the heart. Exactly. Whoever you met on that. Yeah. That's so neat. And I bet that's... There's endless stories within that. Yeah. And is that something that got put together as... um as a short or a... So when I started to do it, I had no really expectation. I, I was just, okay, let's do it and uh-huh. see what happened. Yeah. And it looks more like it's going to be a docu-series. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So you have, oh, yes, you have enough yeah, I've um, got, footage. I've got pretty much all the footage, yeah. Wow. So I had completed the heart. Uh-huh. My aim was still to go until Hungary. And why Hungary? Uh, because my ex-boyfriend was Hungarian, and uh, every year we were going to see uh, his best friend and our gypsy family. Oh, yeah. And I love to, I, I documented each time I went there and took pictures, and I wanted to spend more time with them again. Nice. Back when you were in Spain, you also picked up Vipassana meditation. I had interest in Vipassana meditation, uh-huh. but uh, I had to be in a center to do it. And each time I, the time was not convenient. Yeah. So I decided to do it by myself. Uh, and because I had the van, it was very convenient. Well, I, you had your own Vipassana meditation retreat. Yeah, I did this by myself. I just followed their program. Right. Sort of a solitary experience, yeah. almost like a vision quest. In Native American culture, kind of, yeah. You just meditate all day. You, when you're in the group, you don't make eye contact. You don't speak. It's a silent meditation for ten days. You don't speak with each other. You don't write. You don't do exercise. You don't listen to music. You just do nothing and yeah. meditate all day long. Yeah, from four a.m. to nine p.m. and you have. One breakfast and one lunch, midday and nothing the rest of the day. 
And uh, my first kind of concern, because still food is very much my go-to when I'm stressed or yeah. my addiction. Okay. I thought that I'm going to think of eating all day long. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but no, I didn't think even the first day it was, it felt like the, I was f fed by air. So you were relieved of it rather than it yeah. being a dominant thing that was going to make it difficult. You actually, by going into this meditation, you were relieved of the, yeah. of the obsession. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And yeah, so I had parked my van by the river At 4 a.m., I was waking up, dipping into the river because I'm um, no way I'm going to be able to stay awake by myself. So the cold river was the perfect way to wake up back in the van, meditating until the breakfast. And then when the day was up, um, I was going up the mountain and, and sat under a rock for the whole day. Yeah, that looks like the Buddha. Yeah. It was a rock that looks like the Buddha's head is looking down on you from the ceiling, almost like breathing down on you or something. It's it's such a trippy picture that you, yeah. you took of this. Yeah, and I noticed that only at the end when I took a picture of the pot. You noticed it in yeah, the picture? Yeah, I, no, I had no way. I, it, it was my gift when wow. I took that picture. Incredible. That's yeah, like your graduation. No, yeah, definitely. I had no idea. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So, and then has that been a, a regular of yours since? Or do you have a regular meditation practice? No. I no. kind of dropped everything. So this could have been... Another sort tool. Of, yeah, another tool. Yeah. You know that it's there. Yeah. Right. And another thing, a step along the way where you're like, oh, check that off the list. I did that. Let's jump back forward to uh, the green card. Yes. Right. So you're stoked, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. And you're going straight back to New York? No. Uh, so this trip to India really made me, it changed me completely. I grew up being a kid, like being career driven and very goal oriented and ambitious. After India, I've had lost all that. So you'd been ambitious and goal oriented leading up to India and then you complete the training there and then all of a sudden that's kind of dissolved away. Yeah. Huh. That's been such a motivator up until now. Until that point in Coming your life. To, yeah, going to the States, yeah. Right. It just seems to be the thing that's pushing you forward all the time. Yeah. So now that ambition is gone. So what takes over from there? Well, it was my dream since I was kid, so I said, I better go. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you're ambitionless, it's, but this has just arrived, I guess, so it made it really easy. So you didn't have to have ambition about going to the States that arrived. Yeah. And it was the next thing that showed up, too. Yeah. So it's like hard to argue with. Yeah. No, you, I was like, I was over the moon. like oh, no. Nice. And so what do you do in the States? What do you do first? So I had to pick where I was going to live. It was either San Francisco, LA, or um, Austin. Uh -huh. In New York, it was like too busy, too loud, even though I would have loved to do it yeah. when I was younger. I think I, I reached an age where you, New York was not for me anymore. So I needed more nature, silence. And yeah. Uh, so I picked California for the sun after mm -hmm. 12 years in London. Mm -hmm. I still, sun was my priority. Mm -hmm. And the film industry. Mm -hmm. So LA seems to be the best place for that. Sure. Because uh, this was coming to be the next dream, which was like filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. 
So I picked uh, L.A. and all the people I had met in New York in 2010, mm -hmm. I reached out to them and uh, they put me in touch with people uh, in L.A. Oh, cool. So I didn't know about Ohio when I moved to L.A. How long after did you find out about it? And how? Three years after. Three years after being in L.A.? Yeah. And how does Ojai come up? I just heard people talk about Ojai uh, when I was in L.A., two different conversations, two different times. Yeah. And it sounded intriguing. And first, I thought they were talking of Hawaii, <laughs> just because of the accents. Yeah, sure. I right, say, so if Hawaii is just two hours away <laughs> from me, I better check it out. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I went to check it out uh -huh. uh, three years after being in uh LA and I spent just one afternoon uh discovering Ohio, fell in love with the place and decided I'm moving here. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so how long after did you? Eight months after I was in Ohio. What did you have targeted to do here? Uh heal. Sure, heal. What did you need to heal from? Well, when I arrived in LA, everything was magic. Uh-huh. I worked with uh, the people I dreamt to work with. I uh -huh. photograph uh, the people I dreamt to meet. Really? And then I got the thyroid cancer. I was with a new boyfriend uh -huh. and he fell a lump on my neck. And I was not concerned about it because if it would have been the breast, of course, I, I would have think of that straight away. But the neck, I never heard of a neck cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was not concerned, uh, but I still, uh, oh yeah, and a few months after I got sick, I'll go see the doctor, I tell him about that, and he said, okay, let's do some tests. Yeah. Uh, then I decided to... Uh, go to India again to do an advanced teacher training. <laughs> Whoa. I forgot to go do my blood test. Uh -huh. And I went to India for yeah. a month, had an amazing time, came back and remember about that blood test I had to do. Mm -hmm. Did the blood test. I did the biopsy and it happened to be a thyroid cancer. And it was pretty advanced. When I got the diagnosis, they say we need to book a surgery as soon as possible. Wow. Uh, and Were I said, you scared? It was not scared. It was yeah. shocked. Uh huh. Because my lifestyle, my lifestyle is just—I never thought that with like eating properly or yeah, uh, all the exercise I'm doing. I just this doesn't make sense. Where does this come from? Are you doing any sort of spiritual analysis around it? The notion of throat cancer being sort of a stifled voice throughout your journey uh, yeah looking back for sure yeah yeah and you f you feel that there's a correlative there yeah so as i said at the beginning of this interview speaking is not my favorite way of expressing myself right photography is how i speak yeah or video um but yeah growing up uh when when the attention was directed towards me, yeah, I was crying. It was hard to speak and to to be listened. Oh. It was hard to have someone really listen to me because wow. it felt like precious or yeah. it felt so unusual that I had no practice. Yeah, because yeah, like again, like 
growing up with two older brothers, I had my mom is very quiet and doesn't express herself much. So it wasn't modeled. Yeah. Yeah. So not not much. So yeah, like speaking out was definitely not my practice. Do you feel like there are moments and just briefly on this, do you feel that there are moments throughout looking back in life where you had more to say, but you didn't beyond your childhood. I mean, just into your yeah, adulthood. And yeah. Still now. Really? It's still very hard. Yeah. So you try and make it matter in your, in your documenting, in your film. Yeah. So the heart of friends in 80 days, it was a way for me to find myself through them. Yeah. Like wow. have them speak for me. I'm nearly done with the documentary. The missing part is my voiceover. Oh my gosh! And it's <gasps> and it's so hard. Oh my god! Wow, that's remarkable. It, when you're in that phase of it, and it's such a huge part of your life, mm-hmm. and that it's the missing piece of your film. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Pardon my tears. <laughs> <sighs> oh no, please! Wow, that's so beautiful. Unbelievable. I'm devastated in the best way. <laughs> I'm devastated. Oh, wow. So that film was an attempt to find your voice mm-hmm. through the people. Yes. And, and you, do you feel like you did? I feel, well, I already got the most of it because I got to do the, to interview those people. I know their story. I'm connected to them. But yeah, no, I think it's it's missing. And when I got my diagnosed, I was thinking, oh, maybe this is going to help me finish the movie or but no. I could not create. Wow. And um You mean emotionally the experience of finding out about the cancer was sort of a vacuum? Again the depression came back. Oh yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> this different because I was Except being tired and having mood swing is the only kind of symptom I had with... You had no symptoms. No. Anything wrong with you at all. No. Even the blood tests, they say they were my hormones and sorry, that was okay. God, I just said that and I was like, (laughs) I feel a responsibility around. I don't want people to think just because they don't have any symptoms with something that something's wrong with them. <laughs> so when I said that a minute ago, I was like, wow, that's a thing. And I was like, wait, oh, that could start fear in people. And, and the truth is, is that most people who don't have symptoms are okay in yeah. this case, yeah, in this very rare case. <laughs> yeah. And you still are okay. Thank goodness. Yes. What was the treatment like? So luckily they call it the easy cancer. Okay. When I got the diagnosed, they wanted to book the surgery, and I said, "No, I will take care of that myself." Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried alternative. Um, I mean, I tried to find any alternative. Yeah. But what was the oh, best of what you found? I found a, a clinic in Mexico doing juicing and. Uh, Some good juice. <laughs> yeah, except that the two people who I was not linked directly, but a, a doc, a friend of mine is a doctor, and she knew those patients, and um, oh, and they cool. they didn't make it. Oh, 
So wow. I, because I had not found anyone in my surrounding who who find a, a way to go over it, yeah. I said no. I, and because I had all the smooth swing and depression again, uh, I had no drive to fight. Uh huh. Um, wow, that's scary, huh? And and when I look back, I remember saying to my uh, boyfriend at that time, "I feel I'm dying inside." And I didn't know I had the cancer. Whoa. But a few months earlier, I told him that. Yeah. It, this is how much I felt not myself. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so. Wow. That's, you know what, what's great about that? Not much, but what's great about it is that you're now having direct verification that your intuition yeah. about things is strong and that you can count on that. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Maybe the only beautiful thing. No, I always find beautiful <laughs> things from horrible things. Yeah, so. me too. Constantly. That's great. Luckily, I'm one of those. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. So you went to conventional, you went yeah. medical. So I booked the surgery. So I got diagnosed in August, did the surgery in September and some doctor was telling me to take the radioactive pill. Yeah. Some people telling me not. Some yeah. do- some doctors. So the radioactive pill, what was scaring me the most, uh, having my neck open to remove thyroid and tumor that had spread in my lymph node. I was not scared about that. Huh. I didn't care. Yeah. But the radioactive pill, what was uh, scaring me? So I decided sure. to not do it. Great. And the surgery, like, um, I mean, if it's my time, it's my time. I, I was just like, I had no much drive to leave. Uh-huh. I guess the cancer was already starting his way to kind of making me not fight or it's just... The cancer had begun to influence your body in a way of going like, hey, let's just give up. Yeah, yeah. We're tired. Yeah. It's been, you know, you had a hell of a run. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was starting to work. Yeah. And you knowing that about that, oh man, that's so weird to know that that's a thing in life, that your body at some point might just like... I don't know if it's a thing that's how it was for me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That it's a thing for you says that it's possible. Yeah. And I looked back and, uh, okay, do I have anything to say or to do or finish that film or... No, I didn't. No, I didn't care. I had done everything I needed to do or to say or I was very happy with what I had already and... Incredible. How's your family around it? Were they scared for you? Oh, yes. Sure. Yeah, because they wanted to come for the surgery, but they don't, my parents don't speak English. Uh, so they wanted to come, but I said, I can't, I won't be able to take care of you. I won't even be able to speak after yeah. the surgery. There'll be a bunch of voices that can't speak. Yeah. So <sighs> when I got the, you know, before the surgery, they tell you what you have to go, what, the risk. Yeah. The one risk was to lose my smile. Oh my God. And my what voice. The fuck. Yeah. What? So. And that's the thing that you've been battling with this whole time is keeping your smile. That's uh, why you go to India for the sun and yeah. all that. You've been fighting for your smile the whole time. The cancer and the depression are having a conversation. They're the fight to take away your smile. Mm. On top of that, 
This surgery might do it. Yeah. Wow, you might lose your smile yeah, forever. Yeah, so this was the hardest to me. My voice, for some reason, was, oh, great, I will learn love, uh, love language. <laughs> <laughs> Sign language. Uh-huh. I was just like, oh, this won't be a big deal, met my, my smile. Oh, yeah. this is, no this kidding. was, this was scary. No kidding. Yeah. You're smiling at me right now, so this would be a huge loss, yeah. I would say, for the world. <laughs> let me be you. let me be somebody to say that. Thank you. Yeah. So so you didn't lose your smile and they removed it, huh? Uh yeah, they removed everything as my smile is actually cricket since. Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> didn't you go through a breakup even after this? Another reason to lose the smile or a, yeah. a contender to take it away. Yeah. There's a pattern here going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really seems to be sharpening you. Like yeah. life seems to be sharpening you into this like very clearly defined sort of like, this is how it is. This has been my experience. Mm. You know, it seems to really be doing a number on you in the way of like getting your voice together. It's odd how quickly after the surgery did the breakup occur? Yeah, the surgery was in September. We broke up in December. Wow. So it was a lot. I bet. So then you came here to heal from all of that? Yeah, I came to Ohio to heal, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 2019. Oh, okay. What's the healing process been like, and what? Well, Ohio's been like the perfect place for me to to heal. Very welcoming. Had many helps from people who had met. It's the first time I feel home somewhere. Yeah. I keep saying that I feel home everywhere when yeah. I'm traveling, but a home where I can live long term. Yeah, it's the first time. Yeah, me even too. even in France, I never felt home. Hmm. That's nice. And it's it's a huge relief. Yeah. I don't want to go anywhere else now. Before it was where sh- where should I go next or what's the next thing and Yeah. Uh where am I going to live? Should I live in New York, half London and half India or no, um it's Ohio. I felt like I was going to die here. I felt like this would be the spot, you uh-huh. know. And that you would feel me still if I died here. You this would be a place that you could come and feel me in the air or something because I felt like I could feel all the people that had ever been here. Mm. It was a very strange feeling, but like when you get confronted with something like that out of nowhere, entering into the city limits, it's quite compelling. And and that kind of science around like, wait, if I can feel everybody that's here, this would be a place to leave my thing. Mm-hmm. You know? The things that are important to me seem to be supported here in the community. Mm-hmm. And that is kindness a general regard, compassion, you know, uh, folksiness, things like that, where somebody says hello to you when they pass or they make eye contact with you or they wave you on at the four-way stop first. There's Not, a Krishnamurti sort of connection. When I was in the van, I met someone who gave me one of uh, his book. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, in French, it was uh, La Lumière qui est en soi. Uh, the light within you. Uh-huh. And so when I moved to Ohio, I didn't know the Krishnamurti Center was there. Uh-huh. And as soon as I discovered that the center was there, I went and a French lady was working there and we connected, obviously being French. Yeah. And um, I ended up living with her and her boyfriend and son. Oh, uh-huh. 
and they helped me out to move here. Great. Yeah. You know, that thing that you just talked about, about finding a, someone who's French in America and having that immediacy with language and all that, that's a drug. I don't know if it is that way for you, but when I've traveled out of the country and then you meet someone where they, you know, it's, it's, it's just so strange how familiarity um, is something that we just take for granted every single day. Cause as soon as you go somewhere else, and I know for some people like yourself, it's almost like that's the goal is getting out of familiarity into unfamiliarity. But that thing, when it happens, I feel like where you can kind of let your guard down and like, Oh, here's somebody that just generally understands even the nuance of yeah, my experience. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a nice break. <laughs> right. So to find that here and Krishnamurti who had already had a impact on you. Mm-hmm. Did you do the Peru shoot since you've lived here? Yes. Okay, cool. You know, I think everybody should watch this. And what is it called, the piece? Um, there is not really names. It's like organic family farm in Peru. Okay, yeah, right, right. Not, not really a name for it. Okay, cool. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes of this podcast. So go check that out. But how does the impetus to go there is, and this is another family. Yeah, so I wanted to celebrate my 40th birthday and I love to travel yeah so um, I went to Peru and I um, I usually try to go to places where there is no hotel or anything like that you try to go to places where there's no hotel yeah okay, I'm just no saying it again hotel no to tourist or <laughs> All right. and I go at the very top of uh, the mountain. I first stayed in an Airbnb uh, that had um, uh, locals who were like doing like ceremonies or oh, cool. sweat lodge and stuff like that. And because they were local, that's why I stayed with them so they could introduce me to other locals. You uh, did sweat lodges in Peru then? Yeah, uh-huh. I did, uh, did a couple. Uh-huh. And, um, and oh, one of the locals told me about a lake up the mountain, so we went for a walk, and on the way down, his family, we stopped at his family to have a bite, and I thought, oh, this will be the perfect place to stay, and uh, when we were done with the walk, we asked him if he could ask his family if I could stay with them for a week, Uh and they were not speaking much English, my Spanish is not very good, Mm -hmm. they had kids that speak a bit of Spanish, this is perfect for Barbara do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, this is ripe conditions. No one understands each other. Perfect. We're going to have to connect beyond language. Exactly. Right. Lovely. Yeah. So that happens, huh? And and you shoot while you're there. You just shoot. Yeah, I just shoot all day. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do they feel about the cameras? I mean, is it I keep shooting all the time, so it's part of me. Uh-huh. And do you have a practice in becoming a part of the atmosphere to where you don't intrude in the naturality of what's going on? Yeah. That's why I like you. Yeah. 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 It's just, I'm there, but I'm so interested in, interesting in to what they are doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm there as a learner. Yeah. Um, I want to discover who they are, what they do, why they do certain thing, but Without explanation, I just understand how hard a task can be or easy a task, another task can be. Uh, yeah, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. 
Very simple. Very simple piece. Yeah. Everything I feel like that's uh, true and beautiful about humanity is in that very simple five-minute piece that everyone should watch. And you want to go back soon, huh, and, and, and be with them again? Uh, yeah, but actually um, there is another family in Colombia mm-hmm. I want to go and meet. It's a tribe. Uh, they, um, I was there during COVID. Yeah. Uh, they had invited me in their village deep, deep in the mountain, but COVID happened and I could not go. So this might be my next trip, maybe in February or March, but I'm not sure yet. Incredible. It's crazy how we even got here, it feels like. You know, this is a very short time that I've known you. It's within two weeks. Is that right? Jesus, I've known you two weeks. Yeah. So, and then you came over for a party. And how's a party at this house actually pitched to you? What do people say about coming over here? (laughs) Let me have a sample. (laughs) I had no idea where I was going. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's your preferred method of transport. Exactly. (laughs) But that day, uh, I was a bit moody and I was not sure I wanted to go. Yeah. And usually I don't ask any question or who is it or how many people. Uh I did ask some questions. Oh, you did? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, no, and I still decided to come. I'm very happy I did because um, I end up knowing most of the people and <laughs> at the party. At the party and uh, it's so oh, true. It was it it felt nice. Nice. Yeah. That's great. And then and then I invited you to come down to Wants and Needs mm-hmm. and we hung out there for the day last Wednesday, which by the way Wants and Needs is now open. I'm there every Wednesday, 11 to 4 p.m. out here in beautiful Ventura, California. Anyway, that's a thing. And so Barbara was at the first one and we hung out for the whole day. Yeah. And it was a very small group and mm-hmm. we got to dig in. And, and then we had the experience, I mean, to top it all off. After a day of not needing to be urgent, really like take our time doing everything, really have a lot of space around conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's a very rare thing to have with a group of people who are all wanting to know more about themselves and are attempting to be gentle. Mm -hmm. The whole goal of opening up that place was to have happen what happened. Yeah. Which was we're on the floor and we're pulling cards and there's just a few of us and we're pulling from the Kim Cran's archetype deck. And this kid walks by and looks in the window, kind of stops, very classic sort of walking by a window and then you're like, kind of, what's going on over there? And I'd seen him that morning. I'd seen him in the grass um, laying down on my walk in. So I knew that he was homeless. I, I figured he was homeless. It was very early in the morning and it was wet grass and he was laying in it. So he's walking by, he notices what we're doing. He pokes his head in. He's wearing a backpack, a beanie, a hoodie. Hey, what are you guys doing in here? He's like, are you meditating? I said, no, we, we, we did that earlier. We're pulling cards right now here on the floor, would you like to join us? 
And he goes, oh, I've never done that before. And he goes, okay, yeah, yeah, I think I will. And he takes off his backpack and he sits with Barbara and I and Alex and and Ben from Wants and Needs and, and his pal Dewey, who's doing framing at Wants and Needs. And Dewey is not a card puller necessarily. And Ben has pulled from this deck before, but an unusual activity for maybe a Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock to be on the floor doing something like this. But for us, we're having this moment and he's joined us. We all finish reading our cards and... He, he pulls his card and he pulls the temple, which we find out after reading it is sort of, you're going to wander into a sanctuary and receive spiritual guidance. And that's the theme of the temple card. I ask him how he feels about that. And he says, you know, I've just had a really tough week. You know, the rains were here. My blankets were wet and I was really struggling down and out. He said, and then I got on the bus and I went and sat back by the back and he said, there's two young lovers. And I thought it was really sweet that he said lovers. And it made me think, oh, he's like from the Midwest or something. Cause that's like a way of describing people in love. And he's probably my age when I was homeless. He's, it looks about 26. That would be my guess. Josh does. Well, that's his name, Josh. He says, I see these two lovers and their arms are linked, but they're both on their phones and they're not really talking to each other or acknowledging each other. And he said, and I looked at my wet blankets and I looked at my life and I just, I thought, do I want to go back to that? What what an incredible thing. I just was weeping. I'm weeping now. It's just the most incredible gift someone in his position could give us. And he just wandered in off the street and we've created a place that he knew was okay to poke his head into. It's like, (sighs) it's the greatest thing. And I'm watching this magic go down in him. He's choosing the wet blankets and the unknown over that known, the known of further ignorance and sort of not talking to each other and distraction and and I'm so moved you know and I let him know and I give him a lifetime membership to anything I'm ever doing and uh, and I try and help him actually I try and like go hey we're gonna go down and get some tea do you want to get some food or something he's like oh no I'm good I'm good he's a little defensive about it like like he's like oh no I'm, I, I have money And it was like, he really, he didn't need anything other than what we just gave him, which was nothing, everything. And he uh, goes on his way and he says he'll come back next Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to meeting Josh again. And this story was enough. It was enough. But then I found out as I was leaving that that morning that I saw him, he was, he had OD'd. And he got resuscitated that morning and he came back from the dead and, and he wandered into our place and pulled a card. What was that like for you? Very touching. It, it's a kind of connection that he was needed that is not offered that much in the world because people are not there. And the same way I'm traveling to those countries and those families to 
get this connection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a miss for those places, and I'm so glad you created one like that. I had the unique experience also. You know, I'd met Kim Kranz the week before at Harshada and Adriana's house, uh, who are new friends and spiritual teachers. And so over at their house, and I just walked in and took my shoes off, and I turned, and they are like, this is Kim Kranz, and the maker of this deck that I've been using for years that so many people have had experiences with me in this deck and having meaningful moments like we had with Josh. But now I've met her and I have her number and so I'm able to like that evening I sent her a voice text telling her everything that she had been a part of just by creating this deck. And that uh, like your life in the way of like, wow, and then I'm working with the person that I wanted to work with and then I'm, you know, we seem to be that uh, similar road travelers in that way. Yeah, definitely. You've been listening to this podcast just since we met and you've listened to a few episodes. What's the experience like? Well, the the same way that you've created wants and needs mm-hmm. and this kind of sanctuary you want to offer for people, you're doing the same thing with your podcast. And It feels and, that way? Yeah, definitely. It oh. feels very safe and um, genuine. Oh, wonderful. With no really agenda than knowing the person. Great. And for someone who has to there to have to learn to speak out and use uh, my voice it's thank you for the opportunity oh yeah i want to ask now just that's the way to close is like now that you've used your voice in a concentrated way to talk about all this and unearth things that you don't talk about generally um how does your voice feel at the moment good you heard it here first good folks (laughs) Barbara Du thank you thanks for being here thank you my pleasure